Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Finding My Place, Sorting the Pieces, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on October 30th, 2016. Definitely a blessing. Well, I have a, a little something here for you. Um, if you could uh, recognize this or call this out, go ahead. What is this? A puzzle piece, right? But uh, we all know that this is not a puzzle, right? You know, a puzzle is, you know, a thousand pieces, 500 pieces. How many of you enjoy putting puzzles together? A lot of us do, right? It's fun. But at the same time, it can be very frustrating, right? Because when you get those bigger, larger puzzles, especially when, you know, for me, because I'm a little bit colorblind, when you have all the similar colors, all the kind of same look-alike pieces, although none of the pieces are exactly alike, it's hard to kind of sort through them all, isn't it? And isn't it typical that we usually will, will sort through the pieces at the very beginning? Well, I want us this morning as we, we continue in our series, as we kind of think about how puzzling it, the family is and what God's word says in reflection to not only our immediate family, but also our church family. I want you to think about all the pieces that it takes to make a puzzle. And I want you to look at this one simple piece. Take a look at its shape, its size, its color. And this piece here is reflective of you. Because you, as an individual, have been created very uniquely. You've got your own special shape. There's a dynamic to you as a, as a person, as, as God's creation, that is something so individualized, so specific, that if you try to put this piece into another piece in the wrong way, it just really wouldn't fit, would it? I mean, that really doesn't work right there, does it? And it's no different for each and every one of us. God has a specific place for us. God has created us in this puzzle to fulfill a role and to do something very specific in our lives. And this morning, as we, as we look at Colossians, if you would, turn in your Bibles, grab your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. As we look at that passage this morning, I believe that Paul is telling the church, Paul is telling you and I how unique we are and how specific we are and how God wants to use us. But we have a part to play in that. You know, I recently read a really good book and uh, it's called H3 Leadership. And one of the things that I grabbed from it, one of the nuggets that I took from it um, was to have a habit of curiosity. And what the gentleman says in this book is he writes this book and he helps people to develop better habits because we all create habits in our lives, right? You know, I'm a creature of habit, you know, the same kind of coffee every single day at the same time of day, you know, I don't stray too far from my habits. But one of the things that he says is to have a habit of curiosity. And I love that because what that simply means is that we should always be learners. We should always be willing to learn something new. We don't know what we don't know, right? See, when we learn things, we come into this puzzle, we come into a place, we come into God's word, and we come with questions. 
See, and that's the toughest thing. It's easy to come with answers, right? It's easy to come and say, hey, I know what you should do. I know how you should fix this. I know what you should do. But the guy that writes this book, he tells us, you know, when we come to a place, when we come to gather together, that we should come with a lot of good questions. And I think it's no different when we open up God's word. Is that as we read God's word, we should have a lot of questions for God. We should come with a heart to discover and understand what God's word has for us and what God wants to say to us as individuals. Because again, we're uniquely designed. God has created us special. And there's no question each and every one of us in this room in your uniqueness is special to God. Well, this morning I'd like to read together in Colossians 3. And I just want to kind of look at the first three, four verses. And then we're going to talk about a few of the others that are in this chapter. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this glorious day. Lord, it's July and October for us. The sun is shining. And his name is Jesus. And Lord, we thank you this morning for your son. We thank you for the honor and the privilege to gather in his name to worship you, to sing your praises, to invite your spirit to be in our midst. Father, as we live in your spirit, as your spirit lives in us, Father, we pray that you would teach us and show us, help us to answer these questions. Because I know there's many, many more that will come up. Father, help us to understand your word. Help us to not only understand it, Father, but help us to treasure it. Treasure it like it was our riches, because that's exactly what you meant it to be, is our riches. So, Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, and let us be attentive to the things that you will tell us today. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we give you glory, we give you praise. And we love you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, I want to read the first few verses together that that Paul speaks to the church. and, And as he speaks to us, he says this. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek, underline that word seek, the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, as you read that passage, you might think to yourself, well, what does that have to do with me and me fitting into this puzzle and where do I fit in? And all those questions may kind of come to your mind, but there's a passage in 1 Corinthians that Paul shares with us and I think it really nails it for us specifically and it's in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen, and it's in your notes there. Paul says this as he's speaking to the church. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all of the church, that you would take your assignment and fulfill God's calling in your life. That you would be that piece that I created you to be and work yourself to fit right where I want you to be and listen to me and trust the fact that I've placed you right where I want you. See, that's hard to do at times. 
That's hard to understand at times. That creates a, a lot of questions and sometimes some anxiety and some, some nervousness because sometimes we're just not comfortable in that place. I, I want to tell you that, that that's okay. You know, whatever your vocation is, wherever you're at right now, I want you to know God has you right where he wants you. And especially, especially if you're, you're not feeling comfortable in that space, especially if you're, you're feeling like, wow, what do I do? I don't know how to handle this. How am I going to live through and, and fulfill my calling to God in the midst of a world or a society or, or people that just are so far from God? I remember when I was uh, a retailer. I know many of you are retailers, so you, you kind of understand where I come from. The retail environment is a very unique environment. Um, you really get to know people as people by being in a retail environment, whether you work fast food or at a clothing store or whatever you do. It's an environment where you really work tightly with others. You learn how to be a team. But I remember um, in the process of God taking me through that season in that place that he had me, I used to pray to him all the time. I said, God, get me out of here. <laughs> please, please get me out of here. I, I would actually say it like that. But I, I look back now and I, and I realize that God taught me a whole lot in the midst of all of that. One, he, he taught me how to love people better. You think about that song that says, you know, to love the unlovable, go work in retail for a little while. <laughs> darn it no i'm kidding but it really is there's a dynamic because all of these different personalities all of these different mindsets all of these different variables that happen see because we all have our assignments and we're all trying to fulfill some type of calling even when we don't understand that that calling is from god and when that meshes together, sometimes the pieces just don't work. They just don't fit because we're trying to put them in the wrong spots, in the wrong place. So this morning, we're going to sort through those pieces. But we're going to do it by asking several questions. And the first question that I want you to ask this morning to yourself is, what am I focused on? As I came here this morning, what was my focus you know, many of us have probably experienced a whole lot this last week, right? What was your focus when you walked in this door this morning? Listen to what he says in verse 2. He says, set your mind, your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. See, there are so many things in this world, so many things on this earth that can distract us and take away our focus. But Paul is telling us to focus on what? Come on, you know the answer. It's right there in your notes. The things above. I even gave you a cheat sheet. Come on. <laughs> See what I said, Andy? 15 minutes, 10 minutes stops. You know? Andy will tell you the inside joke later. See, we have to focus on the things that are above, the things of heaven, the things that God promised us. We have to focus on God's word. The Bible tells us that, that we are to seek it like silver. That should be our every focus, our every thought. We should be pursuing the word of God and getting an understanding to answer all of these questions and how we sort the puzzle pieces, how we fit in in this world, in the place that we've been assigned. And what you can find that, that is, I think, very interesting is 
depending upon our focus, what we are focused on, our focus will be a reflection of our behaviors. Ever thought about that? If I, have a, if I have a bad attitude, it's usually because I'm focused on the wrong things. You know, if I'm so focused on what other people are not doing, then usually I'll just stop doing. Because my focus is wrong. See, my focus is on, on, on the expectations that I've put on other people that they'll probably never ever meet. They'll probably not even know what I'm expecting of them because I'm a bad communicator and I don't tell them, hey, would you be willing to do this? Or could you help me here? And so my focus begins to reflect my behaviors. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you'll respond in a different way. Whether you're a person that's outgoing or not so outgoing, whether you're a person that likes to talk or that doesn't like to talk, whoever you are, however God shaped you, you'll respond in a way that will most likely be unhealthy because your focus is unhealthy. See, you're focusing on the things of this world and you're not focusing on the things of heaven, of God, that he desires for you and I. I love what James says. He shows us what it looks like when we focus on the right things. If you look at James chapter 3, he says this. He says this about wisdom. He says, wisdom from above looks like this. First is pure, then it's peaceable, then it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who do what? Make peace. So do you think when we're focused on all the wrong things, do you think that we have the, the ability to make peace? Do you think when our attitudes are, are bad, because we're focused on all the wrong things, all the things that people don't do, do you think that we will, will make peace? I don't think so. I know I don't. You know, I can, I can just kind of put it to the immediate of, of my world and when I'm a reflection of my family. If, I'm, if I walk in my house with this bad attitude because I've had a bad day, then my reflection of that day will be unfortunately bestowed upon my family. And even in the great love that I have for my wife and kids, I'll probably not so very much peace in my home. You know, I'll most likely cause a little bit of chaos in my home. But it's a reflection of what I'm focused on. See, if our attitudes are different, then our lives will be different. If our focus is on heaven, then our focus will be on these things that James talks about. See, we will live a life that's a reflection of who God is and we will sow a harvest of righteousness. It's all about what we're focused on. See, when we respond to this question, we have to say that we're going to focus on things that God desires for our life. We have to seek the understanding and the knowledge of what His Word says about the calling that He has in our lives. See, we know where He's assigned us, right? We all have a place in this world. 
whether it be as a homemaker, whether it be as a school teacher, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or a student, you name it, you fill in that blank. You have an assignment. But you have to make that choice each and every day as to what you will focus on within that assignment and if you'll fulfill that calling. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things of this earth. So that sounds kind of easy, right? We're going to change our focus. We're going to look at the right things in this world. We're going to focus on the things above. Well, if we're going to change our focus, we, we have to answer the next question. And the question simply is this, is who will I trust? Or whom will I trust? For the you teachers out there. See, in verse four, or three, excuse me, he says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, in this sentence, Paul seems to tell us that the people in this church kind of have a somewhat understanding of who the person of Jesus Christ really is because if it says that you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, how does that equate in the essence of who they will trust or who I will trust? See, because the more we understand who Jesus the Christ is, the more we understand what God's word says about how we should live our life, what happens in this transition, in this change, in this refocus is that we move towards trusting God more in our lives. See, the more that we understand who Jesus is and we believe it with all of our hearts, there is no question that we will trust him more. You know, it's reflective in the gospel. We just finished that series through John and as we ended it, we talked about why Jesus did all those miracles and then I challenge you guys to jump into the book book of Acts and if you look at the disciples in Acts and you look at the disciples in John, wow, is there a change. There's a trust there that they just didn't have before and it's because they know who Jesus is. They believe in who Jesus is. And they trust in who Jesus is. See, God will change us. He'll transform us. We just have to trust him in that. See, in this verse, he says, for you have died. And the Bible teaches us that if we trust Jesus, we die to our old self. We, we put away all the old junk that we dealt with and looked towards and wanted and all the things of this world. We put it aside. We leave it behind. And we move into this new life in Christ. See, Colossians 3 describes what the old life looks like. I want you to listen to it as I read this here and see if you see any of yourself, of of your old life in this. See, verses 5 through 8, it says this. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and all of these things are idolatry. What's the first commandment in the 10? You don't have to answer. It's rhetorical. Think about that. He says all of this is idolatry. He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. 
But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. For you have died. For you have died. Then he describes the new life. Verses 12 through 14. He says, now that you've put off the old, I want you to put on the new. This new life in Christ. You are dead to those things. Now you are alive in these things. He says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, I want you to underline verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest of these is love. The great commandment. God says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He says, loving God is the greatest commandment. And the second is to love your neighbor. And he says, everything that has ever written, everything that has ever been said, all the law, all the prophet, prophets, all of this rests on this one command. And again, we're reminded that we are to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So the question really is this, who will you trust? See, there's no question, we only have two choices. We either trust God or we trust man. There's no in-between. Who will you trust? See, because the answer that you make, the, the decision you make in who you trust this morning will affect the world around you. It'll affect the outcome of the puzzle being complete. See, because you are an influence in this world, God is giving you an assignment in this world and he is calling you to live for him. But you have to trust him first. See, the choice that you make to turn from the old life, the things of this world, and focus in on the new things, this new life that God offers you, they will have a direct effect on the person sitting right next to you this morning. They will have a direct effect on those sitting across the room from you this morning. And I'll tell you what, they will have a direct effect on those that you do life with on a daily basis. It will make a difference. God wants to make a difference not only in you, but he wants to make a difference in their lives also. See, this new life that Paul is talking about is reflective of a life that trusts in God. So when we change our focus, when we put our trust in God, we can better answer this last question. And it's simply this, what is my role? How do I fit in to this puzzle? Does it go this way? (laughs) Does it go this way? How do I fit in to this puzzle? Because God has created us specifically and he's created us to be together. 
He created all of the pieces as we sort through them, every single one of us, to fit just right. And I want to tell you that, that whatever your assignment is, wherever you are right now, that you fit in right where God wants you. The only question is, is are you going to fulfill the calling that God has in your life? And that calling is your role in this life. See, your vocation isn't your role. The calling that God has in your life is your role. See, we talked about a commission and a calling and the difference that those two are. See, we know that when we are commissioned to do something, we've been instructed to do that. We've been given the roadmap to how to accomplish our calling. See, and our calling is the command to fulfill. Calling is the Jesus saying, this is what you are to do. Hear my commands and treasure them in your hearts. See, in verse 4, Paul says it like this. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, in this verse, he's telling us two different things about our role. It gives us a better understanding about our role in the piece of the puzzle in the family of God. It, the first thing is that, one, we will be with Jesus when he returns. So that should get us a little excited. That when Jesus comes back again, that we will be with him. See, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. The second thing is a reminder. See, we have a promise and a reminder here about our role and what God wants to do in this puzzle. See, we have a role in helping sort the pieces of the puzzle. And God reminds us through Paul that he has called us to do something very specific. He has assigned us to a place in a moment, in a time, for a specific people. And it's our role, our responsibility to fulfill the command of Jesus Christ. See, he makes this statement. Christ is our life. Christ is our everything. And when we really truly see Christ as our everything, when we really truly believe that Christ is our life, we're more likely to fulfill our calling in this life. We're more likely to do it in a way that brings glory and honor to God in everything that we say and everything that we do. See, that's why in verse 17 of this same chapter, Paul simply says, we will do it all in Jesus' name, all for his glory. Everything that we do, everything that we say will be all for him because he is our life. And he has called us to do something very specific. And as we better understand our role, the promise he's given us, the reminders that we have to do it, that we'll live it out in a way that honors him. See, but what happens so often than not is that we go back to the first question, is that we lose focus. We forget why we're doing what we're doing. You know, at first it's fun and it's exciting, that new life in Christ. And as we do it, we realize that, you know what, there's work that needs to be done. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
And as we start to work and as we start to serve, then we get tired and then we lose focus and we start focusing on the things of this world. And then it goes back to that little cycle there of, hey, you know what? He's not doing and she's not doing. And I didn't get this and I didn't get that. But Paul tells us something different here. He says, when we do it, do it all for God's glory and do it with a grateful heart. Do it with a heart knowing that, hey, you know what? I don't have to do this. But I get to do this. I have a, a cheesy analogy, and I, I know, forgive me, because I like cheesy stuff. But could you imagine, regardless of your political views, okay? You imagine if the President of the United States called you right now, called your cell phone, phone's ringing, you pick it up, Mr. President. And he says, Floyd, I've got a task for you. I need you to help me with something. Well, how would you respond? Would you be excited? A little nervous? A little anxious? Think, whoa, me? Really? I get to help the president? You know, really? See, don't you realize, I hope you do, that God has called you. God is calling you. He is inviting you in on something way bigger than yourself. And you should be excited about that. You should be grateful that you get to do that and get to be a part of it. What, a, what an amazing privilege that we get to be a part of God's kingdom, of sorting the pieces, putting the puzzle together, and we play such a great role in that. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. Do it for God's glory. See, because again, he has you right where he wants you. God has you right where he wants you. And there's no question he wants you there. The only question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, will I live it out the way God wants me to live it out? Will I trust God with what he wants to do in me and through me so that others may know him? See, a lot of questions to answer a lot of questions to think about as we look at this passage, as we seek to discover how we are putting this puzzle together, how God is helping us to understand our role and our place, knowing that we do fit and we do belong. If you would, bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me. I'm going to read this passage, and I want you just to, to listen to the words. It's in your notes there, but I don't want you to look at it. I just want you to listen to the words here. And I want you to think about other people as I read this to you. 1 Corinthians seven seventeen again. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Think about your assignment to which God has called you. And then in 1 Timothy, Paul says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires that all people be saved. I'm going to say that again. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, God has you right where he wants you. 
And God wants to use you in your vocation. He wants to use you wherever you're at to bring glory to his name so that all might be saved. Will you do that today? Will you do that tomorrow? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room because I know that, that you have them right where you want them. Father, as I, as I look around at all these unique faces, all these individuals, Father, I am so grateful and so thankful that I get to be a part of their lives, that we get to do this together. Father, whether in word or in deed, we do it all for your glory. We do it so that we might honor you, that we may bring glory to you, that we may show others who you are, and that your truth would be revealed in their lives. So thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you so much. Lord, we do it with grateful hearts. We do it because you loved us and have asked us to love others. So this morning, Father, as, as we bow before you, as we sing this last song, as we worship you, Lord, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be from our hearts, with all that we have, that we sing your praises, that we do your work, that we serve you, and as we sort the pieces of this puzzle, even when it gets hard, that we look at each other, that we look at you, and we are reminded that every person is important. Every person has its place. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to live that. Lord, we praise you, and we give you glory, and we do it all in Jesus' precious, holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.